Amen. Thank you, Chelsea and ladies, for helping us to know and be reminded of why we should be so thankful for the blood of Jesus that washes us whiter than snow. And I hope that you're saved this morning. You know Christ as your Savior. If you're not, I pray that today would be the day that you would finally yield to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm tired of living my life without you. And I'm inviting you in to be my Savior. And we would love to help you with that if you would, if you would make that decision today. Well, I'm going to let you remain seated this morning. But if you do me a favor and take your Bibles and go with me to Romans chapter number 12. And if you came in this morning, hopefully you grabbed one of our outlines this morning. And that'll help you to follow along with the scriptures. But as we turn to Romans chapter number 12, we're going to begin with a few verses from Romans chapter number 8. So if you are looking in your Bible, in the Word of God, you may want to hold your place there in Romans 12 and then go back over to Romans chapter number 8. And I'll give you a little, um, make, a, make a little statement or a couple statements here before I get started. One of them is, is that we, uh, this year, our desire as a church is to magnify the Lord. And uh, in all areas of our lives, we want to magnify Him. Every month, I've been asking the Lord to help me with an emphasis. The month of April, this month, we started last week with Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, with magnify sacrifice. Can't think of a greater way to begin the month than with Easter, we serve a risen Savior. And so we started with what the Lord did for us. Today, we come to the book of Romans and we look at what we are expected to do by God. What does God expect of us? We that are saved. Many times Christians don't understand the purpose of their lives. Now, certainly they're saved and they're glad to be saved, but they don't realize God, after he saved them, he has a purpose or a plan for our lives. I, for one, like to know what that purpose is and not only know it, but live it. God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? When you come to the book of Romans, it's a, it's a rich book. Now, we call it a book. It's really a letter that Paul wrote. As you hold it in your hands this morning, all 66 books, those are God's words, not man's. They're not Paul's words, they're God's words. Paul, in the first eight chapters of the 16 chapters of the book of Romans, spends eight chapters as God leads him along to write about many things that are doctrinal in nature. In other words, things that deal with our beliefs. We need to have beliefs, biblical beliefs, convictions from the Word of God. When you come to Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11, God, in His wisdom puts kind of a parenthesis around those three chapters. That doesn't mean they're not important. They're very important. 
But chapters 9, 10, and 11 really deal with God's dealings with the nation of Israel. Chapter 9 deals with God's dealing with them in the past, what's happened in the past as a nation. Chapter 10 deals with God's dealings with Israel in the present time. And if you want to know, you can go to chapter 10 and read about that. You go to chapter 11 because God is not done with Israel. And you can find in chapter 11 what God's dealings with them will be in the days ahead. So I'm not discounting this morning Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11. But when you look at from the Christian standpoint, we look at chapters 8 and what comes before that and all that Paul deals with, what God gives to him, and then what we're going to do is after we read a few verses from chapter 8, we're going to launch over to chapter 12, and that's where we'll be for our message this morning. So if you would, as you're there this morning with your Bible or your notes, look with me as this morning we want to magnify sacrifice, and I've entitled today's message, The Logic of Sacrifice. The Logic of Sacrifice. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. He that spared not his son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. The word there means that God is the one that saves us, justifies us, just as if we had never even been a sinner. We cannot save ourselves. God saves us. And the Bible says, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. We celebrated that last Sunday. Who is even at the right hand of God, that's where he is right now, making intercession for us. The Bible goes on to say, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more. If you're in the habit of underlining things, that'd be a good word there. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Paul's testimony under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, or principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Folks, if that's all you got when you came to church this morning, that would be enough. But I want you to notice a couple verses before this in Romans 8. Look at verse 22. For we know, 
That's a good word there. We know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. How many of you are looking forward to heaven someday? So you know what we do? We wait. We patiently, with hope, we wait for the redemption of our body. Now when I look at these verses, I see here that we are supposed to be waiting, the Bible says, waiting with patience. Now take your Bible and go over to Romans chapter number 12. Having said that, remember now I told you that Romans chapter 8, not discounting or doing away with 9, 10, and 11, but having said that, waiting, we're more than conquerors, what are we supposed to do while we wait? Well, God picks it up in chapter 12. Look at verse 1. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies, bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your, what's that word? Reasonable service. Now that word beseech, it's a great word. It's a word, it's a strong word. Matter of fact, the word beseech that God uses is a word that comes from the exact same word that is used in the Bible for the Holy Spirit of God. The word that God used for the Holy Spirit was the paraclete. The Holy Spirit of God comes alongside of us, comes near to us, and helps us. The word beseech is not paraclete, it's parakaleo. And because it comes from the same root, it means to call near, to invite, to urge, to ask with urgency. God is begging, God is pleading. Now think about that. God, the God of heaven, our heavenly Father, we are his children. He is begging us, pleading us to do something that is reasonable. Now the word reasonable is also another neat word because reasonable, the word God uses there and it's translated reasonable, is the word logikos. We get our English word logical from that word. God says, you want to know what is reasonable, what is logical? That you would look at verse 1 again. 
you would present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. That's what is logical. That is what is reasonable. And as we look at what God is asking us to do, he is pleading with you and he is pleading with me that you and I would offer ourselves to him. Now, the very wording that he uses, it's given to us in the imperative mood. Now, what that means is this isn't just a casual thing. God is commanding us. Say, what am I supposed to do now that I'm saved? How am I supposed to live my life? In other words, what is God expecting of me now that I am a Christian? So I want you to see with me this, this morning how it all begins with the challenge to sacrifice. When you and I are totally yielded to God, did you hear me this morning? When you're all, all on the sac- altar of sacrifices laid, you're not keeping back part. When we are totally yielded to God, That is the highest form of worship because God says, I'm calling you to present your body. That's the challenge, to present your bodies. God is calling us to present all that we have and all that we are and all that we ever will be to him. He wants us to do that for his honor, for his glory, for his use. And when you look at that, he says, I want you to present. That's another neat word. It means to place at one's disposal. See, this is where many people struggle because of the flesh. God says, I want you to place your body, place your life, place all that you are on the altar, place it at my disposal that you would no longer hold anything back from me. So the idea here is what? It's total, listen to me, total surrender to God. All that we have, all that we are, it suggests here that we are totally surrendering. The word present, to present yourself, is in a tense that is a one-time for all time action, it is that you and I would not present our bodies to him and then we would take it back. So the challenge is this, that God wants us to present our bodies. It's a sacrifice given to him forever. That's the challenge. See, a lot of times we don't want to do that. We think about our lives and we think it's ours. See, it goes beyond the challenge to sacrifice. Say, why should I sacrifice? Why should I take this challenge? Well, notice the cause he gives for sacrifice. He says, therefore, by the mercies of God. Aren't you glad for the mercy of God? The Bible says his mercies, notice the plurality, his mercies are new each day. You know what God had for you today? A whole new list or whole new group of mercies for you. Day in and day out, God is 
merciful to us. And Paul has been writing in the first eight chapters of this letter, and Paul had been describing how we have been redeemed by the grace of God and how God bought us at Calvary, where Jesus gave his life. And because God bought us, listen to this, we, you, and I, we belong to him. Now, maybe you've never heard this before, so let me give you a Bible verse here. For ye are bought with a price. What was that price? The precious blood of God's own dear son. Cost God everything. Jesus paid it all. There never has to be, when we were at that men's meeting, we sang a song about the blood, and it was about that there, there, there doesn't be, need to be any more blood spilled. What Jesus did, he said these words, it, God's plan of salvation, is finished. Nothing has to be added to it. Jesus has accomplished the will of his Father to redeem us from our sins. And the Bible says that we that are His, we've been bought with a price. Now look at it. If we are saved this morning, notice the word therefore. It is there for a reason. Because you've been bought with a price, so look at it. What are you to do? Glorify God in your, what's that next word? What is it? In your body. Now look at it. And in your spirit which are God's. So I'm looking today at bodies. Some bodies look like they needed a little bit more sleep than others. Some bodies, like mine, feel a little tired. Some bodies have more miles on them. Some bodies are shorter than they used to be. But God's given you a body. How foolish of us to act like, as a child of God, that we can do whatever we want with what is His. He says, I've given you a body, and what do I want you to do? I want you to glorify me in your body. Look at the Bible says in Romans 14. Whether we live... We live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. See, the cause for sacrifice. I'm going to make a statement. It may not be popular, especially in this day we live in. As Christians, we have no rights. Did you hear me? We live in a day where everybody's suing everybody about everything. Every man's doing that which is right in his own eyes. But you and I, we've been bought with a price. We are no longer our own. We are the Lord's. Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. We are subject to his commands. You and I, we didn't care about him. He loved us before we ever loved him. Aren't you glad that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us? 
When I think about being saved, I understand that it is God that gives us the faith to believe. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. God gives us the faith to believe. God is the one that saves us by His grace. And when I think of that, it seems obvious to me that we owe Him everything. Paul put it this way, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Because you know where we were headed? Straight to a devil's hell. You know what we deserve? Nothing. We deserve hell. Paul understood this. He said, by grace, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace, which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. God's been so good to me, Paul was saying. He says, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. By the grace of God, I am what I am. You know what we are? We're dirt. Without God, we're nothing. But aren't you glad that God has been merciful unto us? See, I see the challenge to sacrifice is to present our bodies. I see the cause for sacrifice because of the mercies of God. But then I see the consecration in Romans 12, 1, to sacrifice. Look at the verse again. The Bible says in chapter 12 and verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, look at these next three words, a living, what? Present our bodies, a living sacrifice. I, mean, I love to study the Word of God and when I come across things like this, I just I love to dig in because God is telling us to present our my body, me, a living sacrifice. Now, no doubt when you study the Bible, Bible times, there were many sacrifices made. They would take an, an innocent animal. They would take maybe a sharp object or a knife or something. They would hold the head. They would slice the throat of an innocent animal, take the life, spill the blood. They would then present that sacrifice. The blood was shed. The flesh was burned on the altar. You think about that. I mean, if you were that animal, how painful. What that animal had to go through by the way, can I remind you, if you read Isaiah 53, all Jesus as the Lamb of God went through for us. A lot of times we think about sacrifice. God wants me to sacrifice myself. He wants me to be a living sacrifice. That sounds painful. But can I tell you this morning the difference today, what God is calling us to do, is different than what God was calling those in the Old Testament to do. Because in the Old Testament, their sacrifice was supposed to die. 
But according to Romans 12.1, our sacrifice is to be alive. A living sacrifice. I, I, I think about them and their sacrifice. I think about what God's asking me and you to do. And certainly when you think of all of those sacrifices, Old and New Testament, certainly all sacrifices are costly. All sacrifices might be painful and even difficult and definitely personal, but certainly necessary. God is commanding every one of us. If you're saved this morning, you're a child of God. He's commanding us as his people to lay the totality of our persons on the altar of sacrifice. But interesting that as we lay that sacrifice of ourselves down, at the same time, that sacrifice must continue to function. A living sacrifice. If you've ever seen a picture of the brazen altar that God had them to build, in the corner of the altar, each of the corners, there was something called a flesh hook. When they would bring those sacrifices, they would bring them to the altar and they would place them on the altar and they stayed there. During our church services, a lot of people may not understand, we give at the end of the service something called an invitation. Sometimes it's called an altar call. An altar is a place of dying to self. See, a lot of times people haven't grown up in church or they haven't been taught but I really believe that as God right now is speaking to hearts, I think that God wants us to make a decision, whatever it is that he is speaking to us about, dealing with us about, well, listen, if we don't deal with it, if we don't sacrifice, if we don't come to him, if we don't place it on the altar, and here's what sometimes Christians do is they'll come to an altar, they'll come during a time of invitation, and they will present themselves, and they'll lay something on the altar, but the problem is, is that when they get up from the altar, they take it right back with them to their seat. God says, I want you to offer yourselves, present yourselves a living sacrifice. Now, a living sacrifice means that our body belongs to God. As a Christian, as a child of God, there is never a time that you and I, listen to me, there's never a time as a Christian that we are free to live as we please. Jesus came to do what? To do the will of him that sent him. He's our greatest example. If we are going to be Christians, then we should follow Christ. Jesus did what his father wanted him to do. A living sacrifice means that we are constantly, continuously sacrificing. It's a sacrifice that keeps on giving. We are to offer it to the Lord. And watch this. This is the difficult part. As we offer ourselves to the Lord as a living sacrifice, we are to never ask for it back. Give yourself to the Lord. Present yourself and presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice means that we do not love this world. We don't love the flesh. We certainly don't love the devil. Everything the body does, everything you do in your body 
listen to me now, is within the confines of the commands of the Word of God. So I, I just don't know how a Christian should live. God's already given us a manual on how we should live our lives. And so he tells us here that a sacrifice that you present, your body should be a living sacrifice. We, you and I, are vessels. God wants to work in you, and God wants to work through you. You know, listen, God is not looking today for dead animals, dying animals. God's looking for living saints. He says, I want you to present your bodies a living sacrifice And then look at this, I see that as we do that by the mercies of God, there are some conditions when it comes to sacrifice. Paul gives us a couple things here to tell us how our bodies are to be sacrificed. And listen, these conditions must be met. These aren't church conditions. These are what God expects of us. And so notice the first aspect of the sacrifice is that it should be an awful sacrifice. The Bible uses the word holy. I know when you hear the word awful there, the word awful can mean something that's extremely bad. It could be something that's unpleasant, even something that's ugly. But that's not the awful that I'm talking about, that God is describing. In other words, let me say it this way, an awful sacrifice. When you look in the Bible, you see examples of this, times of inspiration. Remember how the Bible says in Exodus 3 and verse 2, the angel of the Lord appeared unto Moses in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush was burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. The day that Solomon, the son of David, was given the privilege and responsibility to build the house of God, the temple, the permanent structure of God in the Old Testament, and how they had a day where they dedicated the house of God. And the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 7, when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and sacrifices And the glory of the Lord filled the house. That's inspiring. That's awe-inspiring. Remember Elijah on Mount Carmel when Elijah prayed and the fire of God fell from heaven. I think about those incidents. But in Romans 12.1, he's not talking about Solomon's temple. In Romans 12.1... He's not talking about some bush on a mountain in the Holy Land. He's not talking about what happened when the prophets of Baal were there. He's talking about you and me, our bodies. And I got to thinking about that. You see, when a life, a life is totally sold out, a life is totally separated from this world, It is consecrated unto God. It will be a life that is an awe-inspiring life to those around them. 
In other words, that life will burn bright for the Lord. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You see, our lives, our bodies that are not ours, they're His, ought to be burning brightly for the Lord. They ought to inspire others around us. This lost world that we live in, all of our lives should be demonstrating to them the awesome power of our God as He works in us and He works through us. See, the sacrifice of our bodies should inspire. Is your life inspiring those around you? But it was not only an awful sacrifice that was a condition to be met, but notice also it's an acceptable sacrifice. Because the Bible says that as we present our bodies holy and acceptable, watch this, unto God. Did you hear the Bible? It's not acceptable to the church, to the pastor, to your husband, to your wife. The only thing matters is the way we live and use our body. Is it well-pleasing to God? Is God satisfied with what you're doing with your body? how you're living your life. Does your life honor Him? Because if it honors Him, then it will show those around you the power of God, the glory of God, and people will see that it is God who makes all the difference in a life that He touches. When you look at chapter 12, look at verse number 1 again. I want you to see two words. He says, therefore, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye... See, just in case you're listening to this message on live stream or you're here this morning and you're thinking, well, pastor, this is all well and good, but really this is for somebody else. This is not for me. I beg to differ because if you are a child of God, a member of God's family, this is to every believer this morning. The Bible says, brethren, ye, this is a command for each one of us. And in your life, here's what you need to be thinking about this morning Because in our lives and with our bodies, we are either pleasing the Lord or we are hurting the Lord with how we are using our body. God has given us this opportunity. What does he want us to do? He wants us to please him. Well, how do we please him? By placing our body on the altar. Placing our body on the altar. As we do that, Listen to me, we need to do it without strings attached. We need to do that without hesitation, without reservation. And why should we do that? Here it is, in case you missed it. Because it's the reasonable thing to do. It's logical. It makes sense to God. It just doesn't make sense to us. Are you more interested in understanding the purpose God has given to you 
And now that you're saved, what you are to do for him with the body that he's given to you. There's four reasons I want you to see why we should sacrifice, and I've mentioned them already. The first one is because God has had mercy on us. The second one is because it's the reasonable thing to do. Now, that word there actually implies authority. It implies ownership. We are not our own. We've been bought with a price. Notice thirdly that as we present our bodies wholly acceptable unto God, it allows us to know what God's will is for us. And then the last thing that I see is, is that it allows you and I to then exercise those spiritual gifts that God gives to us. So the question this morning is, what are you doing with your body? I think it's a fair question. Are you pleasing the Lord? Or are you hurting the cause of Christ? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. When God has your body, God has all of you. Everything you are, everything you have, everything you ever will be. To sacrifice to the Lord. Sacrifice for the Lord. How many of you, by an upraised hand this morning, would say, God, is, God has shown me this morning, and I've listened. I want, with my life, my body, I want to please the Lord. Would you raise your hand this morning? I want to please God. Hands all over the auditorium. You can put your hands down. Some of you this morning, you've listened to the message and you've done well. Some of you here today... Maybe you've never had a time that you've put your faith in Christ. See, without knowing him as your Savior, putting your faith in him, God is not your Father. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you've never had a time in your life that you can look back and you could say, I remember Maybe you think you think of the place, the time, maybe even the person that helped you. But I hope all of you have had a moment. Because he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. Are you saved today? Because if you're not, you need to settle that today. And Christian, brethren... In just a moment, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to let, let you stand, and Brother Kenny's going to lead us in an invitation song. And we have an altar, a place of dying up here. Some of you may be doing okay with this, but if you're like me, just about every day, I get in the flesh, or I want to do things my way instead of doing things God's way. And maybe today you can come and say, Lord, I want to be a holy sacrifice. I want to be acceptable 
I want to please you, Lord. And maybe today you can come and ask the Lord to help you. Some of you may just need to come and say this morning, Lord, here I am. I'm presenting myself. I'm placing myself on the altar at your disposal to do whatever you want with me. Lord, I pray that you'd bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? Why don't you come today? Would you come this morning to meet with God? Certainly, he's speaking to hearts. He has been. And this morning, whatever it is, listen, God is knocking. Don't stand there. God's waiting to meet you. He'll meet you here at the altar. If you're not able to come, make your seat where you are this morning, your altar. If you need to be saved, would you come?